This is The Braither Point. This is the first deadly strike on U.S. troops since the start of the Israel-Hamas war. National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic Communications, Admiral John Kirby, was on CBS Mornings earlier. Here's what he had to say about keeping U.S. troops safe. We need to continue to make sure that we have, first and foremost, the force posture in place in the region and military capabilities to defend our troops and our facilities and to make it clear that these attacks are not acceptable. Uh, The president has added force capability to the Middle East. I don't have any force posture changes to announce today, but I can assure you that that he'll make the decisions as commander-in-chief as appropriate to make sure we can continue to defend ourselves. We're not looking for a war with Iran. We're not looking for a conflict uh, broader in the region. Uh, We're doing everything we can to try to take the tensions down. Uh, We will make the right decisions, the appropriate decisions, to defend ourselves, our troops, and our facilities. For more on this, let's bring in Christopher Miller. He's the former acting secretary of defense and a former Army Marine Beret. Uh, Christopher, what's your reaction to what Admiral Kirby had to say? Glad, Anne-Marie, thanks for having me on. First off, heartbroken for the families that experienced this loss over the weekend. Also outraged, kind of outraged by Admiral Kirby's statement, to tell you the truth, because this was all predictable and preventable, and I felt his response is reactive. We knew anybody that's watched the war in Ukraine knows that the drone wars had started and our troops out there didn't have the capability they needed to protect themselves. So, you know, President Biden says that an Iran-backed militia is responsible for this. Um, Exercise red flag 24 to 1. To date, more than 30 allies and coalition countries have participated in red flag Nellis exercises. These exercises build partnerships and interoperability among our allies and across domains. This red flag will provide more complex, realistic scenarios concentrated on warfighting in the Indo-Pacific theater. Over 30 units from across the U.S. Department of Defense, the Royal Air Force, and the Royal Australian Air Force will converge at Nellis for the start of Red Flag 24-1. The 414th Combat Training Squadron conducts Red Flag exercises to provide air crews the experience of multiple, intensive air combat sorties and the safety of a training environment. This iteration of Red Flag provides unique training with an emphasis on readiness for high-end warfighting and strategic competition. Of course, we also need to reverse and refine our plans through rigorous training and exercises. And on that note, uh, we today announced the kickoff of Exercise Steadfast Defender 2024. Steadfast Defender 24 will be a clear demonstration of our unity, our strength, and our determination to protect each other, protect, of course, our values and the rules-based international order. The fix is in. The vote's rigged. The polls skewed. The pundits paid off. Censors reign. The FBI doesn't stop terrorism. It manages terrorism. The CIA doesn't collect intelligence. It fakes it. News bubbleheads babble bull. Hunter's laptop of child rape, like Hillary's, lapsed. Ashley's dad shower diaries disappeared. Ukraine replaced Afghanistan and Gaza, Ukraine. Cuckold Congress funds FISA and a new FBI HQ, bigger than Pentagon. 
But how to steal another election when your pedo prez is a joke and your puppet party a drag fest? Cascade crisis and false flags for the dumbed down, drugged and fattened up to freak over. Biomurder voters by the millions. Impoverish via inflation. Rob by taxes. Repopulate electorate with illegals. House them, fund them, and pay them. Then command their vote. But bread is not mana, and circuses aren't commitment. Slaves submit, warriors serve, and the bloody, muddy end, the most committed wins. I'm a retired special operations soldier, special agent, spy, turned whistleblower, warrior. Served and sabotaged, rejected and redeemed, failed and forgiven, betrayed and saved, rejecting revenge, humbled and blessed, repurposed in redemption as chaplain, leader, teacher, and truth teller. Now, America's intelligence officer, following God, leading my family, and any that choose to join on our long walk to faith and freedom. Welcome. I'm Jeff Prather, and this is the Prather Point. Hey, welcome, everybody. Uh, big show today. Lots to cover. Going to jump right in here uh, in a moment. Uh, but right before that, just want to remind everybody, uh, if able, I was honored and surprised that Ohio Brett's going to host this telethon fundraiser for me tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, uh, 6 to 9 Central Time, 7 to 10 Eastern Time. Uh, and uh, that's going to be on his uh, Rumble channel. Uh, and um, the support, if you want to support me, you go to jeffreypraether.com up in the right-hand support page. You already got a, a huge $1,000 donation that came in for that. I'm going to use a lot of that for the June 7th through 9th meet, Great American Meetup for Team America members that can't afford to come. Remember, Team America is Americans relying on God and each other, not corrupt government in D.C., just like we, we stopped relying on uh, corrupt government uh, in uh, Britain, but it's an all-volunteer uh, organization. There's no funding mechanism, so we can't be investigated or attacked uh, by the IRS and the deep state. And I used to work with IRS uh, agents. I'd walk into a trucking company and flash my DEA creds, and they'd kind of look at me, and then the guy would flash his IRS creds, and they're like, oh, my gosh. So um, so for the uh, volunteers that are working hard across the country uh, on Team America, doing uh, great work uh, behind the scenes, for example, during the Arizona uh, elections, uh, you were right there, but you didn't see um, uh, Team America was internationally seen, but not noticed because we are the resistance. We are not uh, militia. But anyway, if you can do that, um, hope you can do that because I'm trying to get committed Team America members to come to Tulsa uh, um, June 7th through 9th. Uh, and also the chaplaincy, the committed chaplaincy, my chaplaincy, uh, Christ Connection Chaplaincy at ChristChaplaincy.com. Now we do have, we're 501c3, so we do have some funding available uh, through uh, that regard. But anyway, um, appreciate it if you can make that. If you can't, that's fine. Appreciate your prayers. Uh, my family and I can always use them. We're always under uh, great attack and inviting you to join uh, our Sunday service. I'll be given the uh, service on Sunday. I do always do the first Sunday of the month, um, and that's at ChristChaplaincy.com on on Facebook, at Kinetic Prayer, Christ Connection Chaplaincy, or GoToMeeting. It's a live service. It's a two-way conversation, just like the Didache said it should be. It should be Titascados and Matetes, Master and Disciples, in a conversation, not what it's become in big church and Catholic church is professor lecture uh, stuff. So I uh, hope you can make that. Just a reminder there uh, about um, all of that. Not a big deal. Uh, at all. Um, <clears throat> also want to point out to you, uh, my friend, uh, fellow veteran Pete Chambers is back in the uh, trucker uh, movement and the border resistance. I'm 
not really in favor of that. I think that's a J6 uh, honeypot. Um, but uh, the Ken Paxton, not Ref Governor Abbott, uh, backing the border resistance, even though there's a place right next to the border that's open, um, uh, is an inflection point. It's not civil war, but it is an inflection point. And here you can see the resistance uh, is linked uh, and it splits the country. And we have lots of coast, which is important. Lots of coast uh, to get to connection to uh, Canada, where the enemy t is split, divided into uh, four. That is uh, significant uh, to understand uh, that. And I think many people misunderstand that uh, very clearly. Um, and I was being interviewed on a um, English show today, and they were pointing out how a half a mile from Eagle Pass, Shelby Park, there's the open border. It's not even that far. If you saw my show last week, uh, it's 30 feet. They were letting people uh, in there as well. Uh, not a big deal uh, at all. But uh, the point of it is the big deal. But the border has been infiltrated for two decades. I worked the border uh, through the 90s. Uh, it's just that the northern part of the border is now controlled by the cartel. This is a recent picture of military-aged men coming across. They're clearly soldiers. I first worked with these guys like this with the Contras back in my seventh group days in the 80s, uh, in the Las Vegas Salient and Honduras, Nicaragua uh, area. Rucksacks are right there. Uh, so that is clearly already happening. It's not that it's going to happen. It has happened. It's just that people uh, think that uh, warfare has to be uh, third generational, uh, and it does not um, at all. It It is very different um, than that uh, completely. But uh, something else I do want to uh, talk about before I get my uh, special guest uh, in on here uh, is this lawsuit that has emerged. And this you can see this at the Warrior on my Patreon.com, $15 a month, the whole uh, resource. But the RNC has finally filed uh, a bombshell election lawsuit, and it's finally done correctly. Uh, and uh, mail-in ballots are only supposed to be accepted days or weeks before a federal election, but it's supposed to end. And I said this and others said this uh, at the time uh, at midnight. Otherwise, there is no federal uh, election day. So this is all in violation of federal election uh, law. This is the lawsuit. Uh, it is short and sweet uh, and uh, to the point. Uh, but it's being brought by Mississippi, again, uh, one of the resistance constitutional uh, states. But it's a federal single election day. It ends at midnight. And this was clear in uh, Foster versus Love under the Ninth Circuit. I worked under the Ninth Circuit. It's the most overturned circuit, liberal circuit, works the border. Uh, but uh, they upheld this. Uh, and they uh, made very clear that any other construction of this would not be sensical. Um, the counting of ballots has to stop midnight on election day, and it did not. Now, why didn't Trump's lawyers do this? Well, you know, when they came after me, I was never even charged. I had five lawyers at one time, spent $75,000 defending myself, was never charged, was never convicted uh, of anything. But most lawyers are shams, just like uh, most uh, big church uh preachers and, and priests uh, as well. But the Republican National, Republican National Committee filed a lawsuit Friday to stop the Mississippi ballots received after election day. And this lawsuit is different. Uh, this is a lawsuit backed up by a U.S. Supreme Court ruling. The U.S. Supreme Court rarely overturns a previous SCOTUS decision. It took 49 years 
uh, for them to overturn Roe versus Wade. I was honored to get to put that out uh, on my Brighton uh, Friday uh, show after 62 million unborn babies were slaughtered uh, to Moloch. Um, uh, but this is a very powerful ruling. We're going to follow this closely. Um, and uh, this is this is a substantial uh, lawsuit, unlike many of the others. And it's just because of incompetence and corruption, because most legal uh, lawyers uh, are uh, there. Uh, and that's why my new intro that I premiered today, how do you steal another election? Well, you just change the voting uh, electorate. So this is a very important case. Uh, we're going to follow this. Uh, the It's on my Patreon. It's on my locals. The actual filing is on my locals. Um, if you want to uh, follow that uh, as well in detail, uh, that's very, very important to do. Uh, also, um, let me uh, make sure I put out a um, spot for uh, uh, sat123.com. This is my Iridium. I carried Iridiums and Thurias uh, on duty. That's the only way to reliably make uh, comms. I had sat comms, made them off the back of moving pickups. Uh, but um, sat123.com or beready123.com, uh, you can get these uh, inexpensively. I am predicting a grid down situation by the third quarter for sure, maybe the uh, second quarter. You've seen me have on a lot of guests lately, Mike Adams, uh, George Webb. Um, they're all saying the, the same thing. So uh, hopefully you can afford to do that. If you can't, then go into the um, web store and get the Faraday bag so they're not uh, tracking your behavior, not so much that they're listening to you, but they're data mining you, predicting your uh, behavior, and the Faraday bags are very important uh, as well uh, for that. So uh, lots of stuff uh, happening that is uh, very important um, uh, to uh, get into here uh, in detail. Uh, but those are the uh, key issues uh, there. Uh, and so now I want to um, get to my special guest to cover the drone wars that are happening. Um, but uh, and I'm really excited uh, to have him on. Darren Gobb is a uh, retired uh, Army uh, colonel. Uh, he's got multiple bronze stars. I don't have uh, one. He is a statesman. Uh, he runs an organization uh, very similar to, uh, which restore Liberty, very similar to team America. We coordinate, uh, he's, uh, been involved in Montana. He graduated from Montana state university, army aviator, flew black Hawk helicopters, army helicopter pilots are the uh, best in the world. Um, uh, he was on the honor guard, uh, just a Renaissance man and a great, uh, Patriot, uh, but an expert on, uh, drone wars, uh, as well. And he's been doing a lot of, I was, I was honored to talk to him the other day. He goes, yeah, I'm doing a lot of interviews uh, on what's going on in the Middle East. I'm like, well, I should have you on. I haven't had you on yet. So he very graciously volunteered to come on there. Uh, so thanks for uh, waiting there and being patient, uh, Darren, and um, and welcome to the Prather Point. Hey, Jeff. Yeah, it's a pleasure to join you. Thanks for having me on. I'm honored to uh, be your guest. Uh, so, uh, what else about your military career did I miss? Because it's quite uh, substantial there. I I think you got the high points. Yeah, I started, I retired, and moved on. <laughs> okay. Well, I think I think I know I'm doing. I think you are too. Your most important work. I think a lot of it uh, was prep for what's going on now, and you're you're certainly uh, doing great stuff now. And that's that is uh, what Restore Liberty is about um, uh, as well. Tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, actually, uh, that's myself and my co-founder. We're both retired military. Uh, Blaine Holt is a retired Air Force Brigadier General. And, you know, we came together and decided that we wanted to do something different. Yeah, that wasn't really being tried. And you know, one of the unique things about us as a, as a, a nonprofit uh, advocacy group is we're not in D.C. We're between Coeur d'Alene, Idaho and Helena, Montana. So nobody ever does that. And we've got a very unique mission set where we build county guardians across the country, seeking one in every single county in the country and state directors. And the whole point of this being that uh, we want to fight and win everywhere we possibly can in the current situation inside the current system, recognizing that that system has been built up against the people, not for the people. And if we have to, then you've got an organization that's already working with folks to say, hey, this could all come crashing down. And we don't know what that looks like. But whether it be debt or something else, you know, the corruption in our government, if that were to to fall, not by any wish of ours or desires or us doing anything, but just the nature of corrupt governance over time, they tend to collapse, then we, we might have to rebuild this nation. And we don't want to rebuild it under another tin pot dictator type of thing that happens throughout history. You've seen it and I've seen it. We want to rebuild it under the Constitution and Bill of Rights and Declaration of Independence we have, which is also standing on the foundation of biblical truth. That's how we see things. But we'll, we'll see where it goes. Either way, we're just a great team. Uh, you are, and it's impressive. And uh, I am, you, you have a lot of reach and you have accomplished a lot. And I'm glad that we are um, coordinating together. Uh, I want to come back to that uh, later. I want to get your your take on that because I have a very particular uh, take on all of that right now. But I played those clips at the beginning to uh, show that Kirby, I'm sure he sickens you like he sickens me, where he just lies through his teeth. I can't believe you know somebody who uh, served uh, says that. But uh, I want to get into your expertise on uh, Miller, who is one of the few real generals and uh, and special forces. I, I'm impressed with Miller. I don't know about you, um, but um, I think he he said it very clearly: is uh, we could have stopped this, we didn't. We're allowing this to happen on purpose. Uh, but then he said something very crucial in that the drone war. So I assess that we lost a fifth generation. Um, war with China in 2020. China says so based upon their Thousand Talents program and their unrestricted warfare doctrine, along with an array of non-nation state uh, enemies, the WEF, the UN, the global cabal, um, all, of, all of that. Uh, but it seems to me with the when he said the drone wars have started, uh, that to me uh, looks like uh, fourth generation uh, movements, resistance movements, whether they're terrorist or not, using fifth generation uh, technology uh, and all of this stead steadfast exercise and all this uh, uh, red flag 2401 with all the, the high uh, end hardware, I think is is largely irrelevant and mostly an intelligence dangle uh, for what's really going in as we're being drawn into what's happened. I think that's pretty obvious with what happened with the three KIA because the drone from what I've heard followed them in and they didn't even recognize it. Uh, but what say you about all that? Sure. Sure. No, um, I, I agree with Miller in his statements there. In fact, I said almost word for word, the exact same thing on Newsmax and Fox and anybody else will have people like us on 
is we, they're going to talk to somebody. I'd rather have somebody be on there that, that hopefully people can learn to trust. So I'm concerned about what's happening. And uh, I think Miller is 100% correct. Uh, when it comes to the drone wars in themselves, what's been interesting is I wrote a master's thesis on this topic. It would have been in 2010. And it's called The Children of Aphrodite, and I wrote it for the Army's Advanced Military Studies Program out of Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, where I predicted, based on different levels of actors, that uh, we would have a hard time countering the drone threat in the future. I used China, I used Israel, and I used our southern boundary and drug lords as examples of what could be done against our nation directly and against our soldiers and sailors and and, uh, Marines overseas. And uh, so far, it is playing out pretty substantially and pretty accurately. And part of the whole process was take a look at the development of drones from 1991. That's the date I picked up to the point that I wrote that master's thesis and then compare it to the initiation of aviation in in World War One and how that progressed with lightweight, low powered aircraft doing minimal tasks like spotting. Um, intelligence collection, artillery spotting as well. And look at what drones are doing, the exact same thing at the beginning. And over time, the development of power and and uh, additional speed and all these kinds of things where you see in modern uh, fighter aircraft and all that, these kinds of things is going to play out in the drone world. And the biggest difference is instead of major nation states requiring large budgets to, to buy an F-35, Now you've got Houthi rebels launching an Iranian-based drone that's cheap, expendable, and they don't want it back. They just want it to explode. Now we've had 160-plus attacks on American forces in the Middle East and other places. This is the first one to explode and kill American soldiers. And I've been talking to people throughout the Middle East. Most of them have not exploded when they've impacted. And about 65 to 70% of them have been interdicted by air defense artillery systems. We're just at the beginning of this with the proliferation of drones and what's happening. This is just going to continue because everybody can get one for cheap. I remember walking into CIA back in uh, 03 and 04 uh, and seeing the mechanical catfish and the, uh, and the flying um, uh, cricket, uh, mechanical uh, cricket. And now they're adding that on. Uh, And I think that's going to really change uh, warfare. and I think swarm bots are micro swarm bots are coming that are going to be very hard to detect. So um, do you, uh, are, are you a generational warfare guy like I am? Do you agree with those basic concepts? And do you uh, agree that this looks like a, a 4G uh, utilizing 5G um, weaponry or, or do you look at it differently? No, I, I look at it very similarly. And I'm sure if we were to have the expanded conversation on that, we'd find a lot of areas where we, cross over and agree on the specifics as well. But um, some of the writing that I've put out there on like Armed Forces Press and other places, wherever I can get them, is the, is the fact that we're going to start trying to fight these wars with dollars and pay a lot of money for very expensive high-end items that are, that are not, and they're not a lot of them. And our enemies are going to say, well, fine, we're just going to not try to match you dollar for dollar and tech for tech. We're just going to outnumber you. And in fact, uh, Popular Mechanics, back around the time of 2009 and 10, wrote an article about 
a feasible circumstance where China would make drones out of all their aging fleet and launch them all at our, our, our Navy forces in order to get them to expend all the munitions that we had before China actually launched the stuff that mattered. So there's a lot of ways to look at this, but ultimately I think that in this fifth generational warfare using fourth generational people and, and sometimes technologies as well is going to leave us behind because we're paying so much for so little where they're paying very little in some cases getting a lot of results. Yeah. the I mean, the F-35, from what I understand, it's got, got two hours of flying time and the components aren't there. Uh, the, tr- the tracks we've sent over to Ukraine uh, have been droned very efficiently. And that's separate from the way Putin is fighting that war, which Russia fights in a very specific way. It's kind of like the land destroys everybody. It's kind of like Afghanistan. Those are kind of separate issues, uh, I think, uh, as well. Um, do you agree? Well, do you agree with me so far on that as well? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, Russia, Afghanistan, a lot of these nations, as you know, well, they just they fight and everything is expendable to include the people. Their only goal is to to not run out of them before their enemy does. And we fight yeah, a little I, different. I don't think Russia has even really got into the fight uh, if they had to get the way Russia traditionally uh, fights. Now, I think that's very different than <laughs> this whole, you know, red flag 24 and everything like Russia is now going to take Poland and Russia is going to take Australia. I think that's a load of crap to sell more military industrial stuff. But to conquer Russia or to conquer Afghanistan, that's that isn't doable. But it doesn't work the other way. Uh, do you concur there too? Well, yeah. I mean, why would you want to conquer Russia or Afghanistan? <laughs> really? I mean, it's other than maybe looking at energy, but we've got plenty of it here. I'm, I would just say that you know, take that off the table in the first place. But I remember 20 years ago, I was in a room with a whole bunch of general officers and going through some of the things that I work on. And I told them straight up that uh, we're making a boogeyman out of Russia, who is a typical third rate Eastern European military power that if you took away nukes and cyber, they essentially would not be as big of a, that, that big of a threat. And that I felt like we were trying to make an enemy out of Russia. So we'd have the reasons to keep going with investing in the military industrial complex, like you said, to keep our forces stationed there and, and, and give us an excuse to do a lot of the different things that we do as a country. That did not go over well. Um, within the last couple of years, of course, uh, none of them have called. I'm still waiting. <laughs> well, you're, you're on a lot better. I, I'm not on Fox or Newsmax anymore. Uh, you, you're still on a lot more mainstream uh, stuff than I am. I got kicked off of that long, uh, long <laughs> ago. And I, and I wonder, I, I wonder how, so I, I feel that um, the third generational type generated conflicts uh, that are people are dying, but they are managed wars uh, are subservient uh, to the reset versus resistance to the pedos versus the parents um, to fourth generation resistance uh, versus fifth generation um, global cabal. Global cabal, I define, you know, you can get into the the, the council of 300 and everything. At the top is adversarial uh, principalities and powers. Below that are hyper rich elite old families that have been living a long time that then have political uh, leadership. But where I really see the war today 
is almost a global resistance movement that, that is building. And I was actually on a show in England earlier today, and they were agreeing with me across the board, whether it's um, World Economic Forum, uh, and they're saying we're trying to rebuild trust in us, which means they don't have it. I saw Xi coming here not as a, a point of strength, but as a show of force to project power that he doesn't have as his economy collapses uh, there as well. And of course, the Pedro Joe re regime is a, is a joke, a complete joke uh, as well. So do you uh, share that or is that too outside the box? Because um, I'm always saying we're in a moral, legal, ethical, nonviolent resistance movement against our own government in our own country. Well, uh, first, I guess it depends on the question that's asked. Most of the time, the questions that I'm asked are, you know, what does this drone strike in, in Jordan mean? Because the news is trying to make meaning of these things. And uh, often they're skipping the big picture. But uh, that's the that's the nature of news, I guess. But podcasts like this are where I can get into uh, more serious topics because I'm not up here for four minutes or less trying to describe the entire earth in that much time, it's almost impossible. But I will tell you, though, that when you start describing the, the principalities and powers to which everybody eventually will answer to, whether they like it or not, and it doesn't matter how much money they have, is is critical. Uh, everybody's going to answer to God. It doesn't matter whether they believe in him or not. And second of all, you know, those, those rich people, again, God's not going to care about you know, how much money they have. They can't buy their way in. But uh, ultimately, I guess the best thing I can tell you about what I've done to help facilitate bringing about understanding of what's going on around the world and the patterns that are associated with it is that uh, I run a, a, a group called the Global Veterans Coalition. And the website is globalveterans.org. And we do a monthly newsletter. And this is not your two-page email special type of thing. We're talking something 24 to 30 pages long written by veterans in the countries that we, where we have representation uh, or where we have people who are directly connected to what's going on. So England, Germany, Netherlands, Denmark, Canada, U.S., uh, still Afghanistan, uh, Myanmar and the war that's going on there right now. That's very brutal as well. Australia, New Zealand, uh, Ireland. So the beauty about talking to all these veterans from across these countries who are still involved in a lot of different things militarily um, and sometimes outside the military, but contracts you know, and you know how that works, but I can piece together and show that this medical freedom movement in America as counterpointed by the medical tyranny movement under the world health organizations and all these treaties they're trying to push is recognized for what it is across more than just America. And it's a problem in all of these countries as well. Same as unchecked and unmitigated immigration invasions across all of these countries. It looks exactly the same in every one of these nations. Common theme, of course, generally is, for most of those countries I've mentioned, Western democracies, generally liberal democracies in the, in the positive sense of using that phrase, and uh, you know who who would have who would gain the most by coming after that? Well, you start talking about Russia, China, Iran, and others who would fall into that circle. Of course, that's what it is. But ultimately, it's the it's the push for global communism by creating mass chaos in all the free countries that stand in the way of it. So 
that's been extremely enlightening and educating for me. And we try to educate folks as a result of that once a month through our newsletters as well. That's so interesting because on the show I was on today, there was also a British veteran on there uh, and, and he was in agreement uh, as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so you're, you're basically affirming uh, that. So I want to bring this, this map back on and get your take because I think that, Abbott is a WEF guy, but Paxton survived his political assassination. Um, the border is porous. It has been uh, for a long time. Uh, and uh, I just showed the open gate. And even 30 feet away the other day where they were stopping uh, illegals, they were welcoming them 30 feet away. But I do say, as an unconventional warfare guy, the resistance is building. Uh, and I wanted to put this back up to get your opinion because. Uh, what I see is the constitutional Christian uh, conservative resistance states are linked and building, uh, but uh, the totalitarian or feral states uh, are separated. Um, is that too much of a stretch from your point of yeah, view? It, in fact, I like how you used feral because I call that all the time, our feral government. Uh, they're not, they're no longer federal to me. So um and you look on that map, and you'll see, and I'm in uh, the west central side of Montana, about a quarter inch off of the M to the to the west, <laughs> and um, I see this as a potential good start. And that's part of why I, part of why I like it is as Restore Liberty, we believe in the declaration of constitutional sanctuaries at county and state level that actually have teeth in the results. Talking about access, you know, allowing federal feral access to our counties and states by people or removing them if they violate the constitution, those kinds of things. But what I am concerned about with this is that if a governor makes a statement that says, I stand alongside governor Abbott with what's going on in Texas, I want to know, okay, what does that mean in action in meaningful results? Cause if you just say that and then nothing changes, you've made a political statement, but it's completely useless. Yeah, the other piece I'm concerned about is the fact that it took this many years for Abbott to do it when we've known it was going on. Have we achieved critical mass and they're okay with eight to 10 million people? They've got what they need. Now let's make it look like we're doing something regardless of what level they are, state or federal. Uh, So uh, I'm concerned about this, but I also see it as a potential for some opportunity there. Uh, We'll see. I'm a big fan of states banding together in meaningful ways to push back against the feral government in every way they can. But that's a a SOCOM term for a feral city. Uh, You know, that's a that's a SOCOM term they're using now. And I've just adopted it as an old uh, SOCOM guy. But so I can't. um, But uh, what about. so Abbott, you know, is sending, he's been long sending uh, folks to other states. So that, as far as I'm concerned, is child trafficking, is sex trafficking, uh, mm-hmm. is terrorist trafficking. He's in on it. Uh, just like the, the Border Patrol, used what I, which I served alongside of lots of them as well, and uh, DEA and DHS and ICE, and they're all in on it at this point. That's why... I, I agree. There's lots of organizations starting at the county level. You got to do the sheriff level, the attorney general level. Uh, that's where all that's happening. And, and get out of the federal, get off the federal teat with all the JTTFs and IDAs and 
and OSADEFs. And yeah, and that's why our organization says when we have county guardians, we want that that guardian to figure out their county sheriff and know whose side they're on. At least we know what we're dealing with, and we want to do that in every county across the country again. So, and and that's a challenge because we've so long said that these are governmental duties, and it's like mm, to a point. In the end, though, it's our duty as individuals, and it's up to us to make sure this is right. And the other piece that you just mentioned that uh, I love to hear you say is the fact that what we're doing with transporting all these Im- so-called immigrant invasion people to different states and cities, don't look at that like it's a positive thing. Yeah, you can laugh a little bit and say, yeah, count constitution or a, uh, a a sanctuary city, you're getting what's coming to you. Uh, I'm not so positive about that. I think this is taxpayer funding, transporting of willing terrorists in all too often and planting them in cities across this country, which is why I'm not a big fan of trying to motivate people to get everybody down to the border. I say you need to defend your local community. Focus there. And if you and if you harden an entire nation at the local community level as much as you possibly can, then you've then you've helped create something. But if you move everybody that's willing to, you know, to, to go down to Texas, uh, you could be leaving the door open behind you. Yeah, years ago, I had a uh, I still have warrior school and I used to teach um, at an armed guard company in Arizona. And I mm-hmm. so I had to teach all the law. And one of the situations was uh, you come to a domestic dispute and uh, the uh, dad wants to take the kid. Uh, you know, and if you let anybody move from where they're at, that is kidnapping. And so I think you could make a case for all this stuff that's going on uh, is kidnapping. I did a show recently where it's not Epstein Island, it's Epstein America, uh, federal camps, uh, floors of hotels with just children. Um, Tara Rhodes, uh, the HHS whistleblower, uh, Mm -hmm. affirmed that. But you bring up an interesting point. We were talking about it earlier about the... um, the trucker rally and uh, our mutual friend, um, Lieutenant Colonel Doc Pete um, is supporting that, even though they're not going to go into Eagle Pass. Um, And I listened to some of his reasoned, careful thought on that, but I'm still not very much impressed with the whole thing uh, in that it's certainly going to be infilled by Phoebes. And it's a rally, not like a Canadian trucker strike or not like a Dutch farmer tractor strike. Um, what do you think? Well, the first thing I'll tell you is that as, as, as an organization, Restore Liberty, we're not really a big fan of rallies. And if you're going to rally for something, you better do something meaningful before or after it. Otherwise, there's no point to having it. All you've done is put people at risk. Second of all, I'll tell you with my sources that I work with uh, in the Border Patrol who are down in that region, and I'll just say it's the entire border to keep them safe. Uh, they're concerned about this rally and a lot of the things that are happening with people moving into Texas from other states, sending in militias and other citizens who think that they have a mission down there that they need to take part in. Um, a lot of these Border Patrol guys, and we're not talking establishment, you know, administration type Border Patrol folks. We're talking about the guys on the ground who are really uh, upset by everything that's happening. And uh, this really increases the risk to them as well. They see this as a honeypot, as a trap to try to get people. They've already seen Antifa scouts there. 
There's already some intelligence we're working to confirm about people infiltrating and using the rally, using this rally in the trucks and things like that to cover the actual movement and trafficking of more people and specifically children in the midst of all of this chaos. So if you're going to send, it doesn't matter whether it's seven trucks or 700,000 trucks just to have a rally and make the problem worse. I think you got to check on it. I'm not doubting the motivations and their desires, but I'm going to question the results. No, that's very well said. And I, and I'm not doubting Pete's uh, uh, intentions. Uh, mm-hmm. But the the this the juice doesn't seem worth the squeeze because it can easily they can easily put something on uh, the truckers. Uh, they use um, mass uh, events like we used to use smoke, uh, and they cover everything. They that's what was going on with all the Antifa um, uh, covert actions and false flags. That's the January sixth thing, and I'm just very concerned that people aren't seeing that. Um, again, and Michael Yan, another friend of mine, I'm sure you know him as well, was just on uh, back on Alex Jones saying, you know, false flags aren't the uh, aren't unusual. They're the norm. He says, just like if you're going to go fishing, you always got to put the lure in the water first before you catch a fish. I thought that was a, a brilliant analogy uh, by Michael. He's he's very you know well experienced in all of that. Yeah, I have a. Uh... Had some conversations with Michael as in his time down in the jungle, and it's been uh, it's I guess it's been interesting to be able to piecemeal all this stuff together, where we can watch the moving of people from Africa, the Middle East, all the way through Colombia, Darien Gap, Panama, up to the Texas border, and we and, and as we have eyes on all of this uh, into all the different cities and locations around the country, uh, I agree that all of this actually is really just a giant false flag trying to get everybody to look somewhere while they do whatever it is they're planning somewhere else. And so it's, we need to look at everything with some skepticism. It doesn't mean don't ever do anything, but in the end, if you secure your communities the best you possibly can with the people that you can trust and try to build that out and educate folks on what this could lead to, from a societal collapse perspective, maybe, maybe from an economic collapse, then you've done something to make a difference where you are. Not everything is DC. Not everything needs to be the Southern border. Sometimes it's just your neighbors coming together and saying, you know, we're not going to put up with this here. That's really how America was built anyways. Start at the bottom, which I would actually call the top, and then work your way from there. that federal government is frankly the bottom of the power pyramid of the individual and families at the top anyways. But well said, and I agree totally with that. I want to come back to um, uh, the biological warfare uh, aspect because I'm very outspoken. I've had had a lot of guests on uh, talking about uh, the PrEP Act, uh, you know, Cormorinati never being uh, produced. So it was a total false flag scam com for, for the entire uh, military, but um, it's really not a vaccine. They even had to change the definition of vaccine. It's a, it's a bioweapon, and this fits into the Chinese unrestricted warfare uh, and the uh, Thousand Talents program, mainly through the biotech space, in which I do a lot of competitive intelligence, but only for the good guys. Um, but how the biowarfare aspect of this uh, uh, morphs with the um, 5G, uh, 4G resistance 
of the of the swarm bots and the micro drones that are certainly coming where we're still focused on hyper expensive tanks and and uh, jets uh, do you see a connection there uh because gates just came out and is saying uh they've got an aerosol sprayed uh vaccine which is really as far as i'm concerned a bioweapon um and again, the micro swarms of all this stuff coming for hyper surveillance, to me, that seems to uh, fit because uh, the synthetic, I don't know if you've seen the synthetic uh, life forms uh, that generate uh, inside the operating systems of the boosters uh, of the bioweapon when they're exposed to directed energy weapons and 5G and everything else. Uh, do you see a tie in there or is that, am I just kind of way too far out there for you? Well, no, I mean, I see plenty of tie-ins as far as you know, this uh, so-called vaccine being fake and actually more dangerous than the actual disease, of course, if you know, which we, we can confidently say was probably engineered in, in everything in China and released for a reason. But uh, I look at it from, I guess, where I sit, most of what I try to do is piece together like these big, big strategy pictures and then come move from those into how are they doing it. China made it easy. They wrote a book. You've mentioned it. They wrote a book on it about how to come after nations like ours. And ultimately what I see is, is China is looking at the U.S. and China is actually devolving and collapsing faster than we are. And their real goal is to try to take us down with them and not leave us in the position of power that we could retain if our economy, our culture, and our people were still as strong as they've been throughout history. And so these you know, vaccines and viruses and um, the BRICS currency systems and the Belt and Road Initiative and all this kind of stuff, as they try to uh, grow that out, uh, they're really internally collapsing quickly too. And again, like I said, I think they just want to drag us down with them. And if they come out on top in the end of that, then they've got some sort of hegemony that they've been seeking from the beginning. All of these are just everything that you described are tools and tools to try to use to control people. And if you can control people, that's the ultimate goal, especially for those people who think they're going to be in power. Well, so, so I know I used to think it was um, out of China. I have since revised and see that it's out of Fort Detrick through uh, DARPA sent to China to be released. I have reassessed. Uh, China from being uh, our main enemy of triaging of enemies uh, to the global cabal, uh, the World Economic Forum, global elite. Um, uh, and I've done that because I saw Moderna and Pfizer uh, go in. And Moderna was essentially run by the DOD, which was run by the intelligence community, which is really part of the deep state, which is really part of the global cabal, which is really part of principalities and powers and uh, you know pharmacia. By the by, their sorceries, the great men of the world were fooled. Uh, so I've I have reassessed uh, that uh, connection. I now assess the global cabal as our uh, prime enemy. Uh, the major vector is not the Sinaloa cartel that I fought, but the corporate cartels of Pfizer and uh, and Moderna. Uh, just to just to show you where, because we haven't talked in a long time, just to show you where my thinking uh, is at now. Yeah, Pfizer and Moderna and people like that are, and organizations like that are definitely the power players alongside the Department of Defense when it comes to things like 
Congress. Yeah, that's uh, quite clear. Um, I don't disagree with you when it comes to Fort Detrick. Yeah, ultimately, what I was speaking to was the point at which they would release it and then blame it. it seemed to be uh, Wuhan and everything else. Again, it's a distraction from fi- pointing the finger of blame at the exact source and the exact reasoning. But what you're describing really also is when I go around and speak uh, to whoever will allow me to and have me, despite the fact that I sometimes, you know, kind of throw them off a little bit with what I say too. But uh, I call it a five front war, and it's uh, and it's you know the U.S. government versus the people of the, versus the people of this country. And by that, I also mean their willingness to be controlled by the global cabal as it is right now. Uh, and then I get into China and the Pacific, you know, Ukraine. Middle East, uh, these kinds of things, and start talking about how all this stuff really is just leading toward this desire to control people on a global scale. Uh, UN Agenda 2030 now, and as it goes on to 2050 with this fake climate change garbage, uh, all these different things that we can list are tools of control and fear. And I think that's disgusting, but I guess in the end, if, as you go through my substack there, you'll find that I write a lot about the fact that uh, there is never any cause to give up hope. Because as far as I'm concerned, I've read the, the Bible from end to end, and nowhere in there does it say that God's ever given up his throne. No, I'm so, I'm so glad you brought that up, because I, I know you're a godly man, uh, as I try to be as well. You know, my biggest uh, intelligence assessment of the year was that the October 7th um, intelligence failure was intentional. General Flynn backed me up on that. There was a seven-hour stand down. There's no way. He's walked that border. I've worked lots of borders. There's no way that happened. I think that fits biblically uh, with uh, Revelation as the building war uh, in um, in Israel uh, will happen. I think the mark um, in the hand is out now. Uh, as well. Uh, that alongside history where Sir John Glubb said the fate of empires, they all fall about 250 to 275 years. I think that's pretty uh, pretty clear that all that's um, happening. I think it, it all fits really neatly. Otherwise, it doesn't um, fit at all. Uh, but I, what so the... Um, What's your revolution in military affairs uh, happening? Um, That's actually the discussion we already had about uh, high-tech, low-cost mass production, and anybody can have it. Um, well, let's come, let's come back to that. I was wanting to come back to that because uh, I don't think – I don't intuit that – so the drones aren't going to get – so military-industrial complex and pharmacological-industrial complex is all about – bigger and more vaccines and bigger jets. I think that's irrelevant. I think the, these uh, terrorist and resistance movements are going smaller uh, and mass produced uh, stuff, kind of like AK-47 uh, versus um, M4. Uh, you know, the AK clearly wins out. We're around, I know that's going to upset a lot of people, but it's true. If you Around the world, the AK is the, the major uh, weapon system. Uh, uh, I'm sure you... Yeah. You, you agree with that because it's cheaper, it's more rugged, it's not nearly as nice, uh, uh, but it is all over the place. So I see the micro uh, the micro drones and swarm bots 
not so much going to be delivering explosives uh, as pieces of virus or uh, pieces of surveillance uh, or pieces of radiation in mass uh, there. Um, does that make sense to you or, or no? Well, it makes perfect sense. I mean, that's just one of the things about drones is what can they do? If they can do something evil on behalf of somebody, then that person will figure it out and use it. Uh, and that thesis, the master's thesis I told you about, I wrote in there about how drug lords will be able to just sling a, a drone across the border with more drugs in it than they can count, you know, <laughs> relative to value. And the, the drone's expendable because they'll just get another one. And so, you know, as the things that are lethal to humans have always are really small in viruses and things like that, then small things can carry them. And it doesn't take much. And if it's not going to be one of those cases of fly a drone across the boundary and drop enough viruses across the country to infect a whole nation within a few days, like you see in the movies, it's fly it across and infect a small part of a small city and then let viruses do what they do from there and all the different ways you can do that. And I just think that uh, ultimately what we're doing, and, and it's the point of that thesis I wrote anyways, is they were not prepared for the kind of war where everybody can buy something off the shelf that can destroy large parts of a country over time if you if you give them the capability to do it. And you know, and that's how it started with uh, Putin. Uh, he he talked about airborne vectors uh, of genetic uh, weapons. Uh, initially, I think he was talking about birds uh, and bats. But I but I think uh, you know they've gone from the the mechanical catfish and the mechanical butterfly. Uh, to implants uh, on insects. And, you know, now Gates has gotten modified mosquitoes. So it looks like uh, what, well, Ukraine was the biolab for a digital country. Uh, And I think America is the next biolab for the global cabal on that. But that fits neatly into that category as well. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, it seems like the, like uh, Ukraine is an experiment for all kinds of different things. And, First, it's the Bank of Biden, and then, of course, it continue, that Bank of Biden is, is covering these these bio labs and all these different things that are going on there, along with child trafficking and all the usual things. But what's what has Ukraine spun off to now, though? They are building thousands of drones themselves, and where those are going to go, who knows? But uh, they are proving between them and Russia and what Iran is doing that the way of the future is drones, big, small, and tiny. Because you don't have to capture them like a bird or anything else and, and put something on them and, and have them fly around. You can custom build it to what you're trying to get done. And the sky's the limit on the kind of evil that can be done with these with these things. And, and you and I have been in environments where we've been inside some of these highly classified systems, even within our own government department of defense. And the things that we have probably saw even 20 years ago turned to evil and nefarious intentions are very powerful in what they can do against human beings. They could be used for great good, but often in government, of course, we know that great good is never the goal. So it sounds like you're still inside talking to the military uh, and federal law enforcement uh, more than I am Uh, from, from who I talk to it's, it is corrupted very far down. I had Steve Friend on and Garrett O'Boyle, the FBI whistleblowers, uh, on. And I said, hey, is, you know, the politicians always say it's the top that's terrible, but the bottom's okay. I'm like, well, nobody stood by me 
you know, his rack, his 14 uh, didn't stand by him. Uh, I think it's very much corrupted uh, across the board. Um, uh, and the military seems to be hollowed out at this point, too. I've, I've got some uh, peerage. They're now retired sergeant majors that talk to uh, general officers. Um, what's your feeling on the, the state of, uh, from, from the folks you're talking to, your sources, uh, the state of corruption uh, inside federal law enforcement and inside the military? What's that force look like that remains? Um, pretty close to, I think, to wh- how you describe it. Uh, it's, and of course, I mean, you got to look at the individual, you got to look at their principles and everything else. But when you look at these from an organizational perspective, the, uh, the I guess, consider it like a virus where it started at the top and it's creeping its way down further and further and further into each one of these agencies to the point where uh, they're, they're culling the herd, I guess you could say. Virus, you know, the vaccine was part of this. Um, the, the wokeism of our law enforcement and intelligence agencies that started really heavily, well, even really under Bush, under the bushes, but, uh, Obama magnified it. And then, uh, you know, uh, Biden is just continuing that process is instead of having a woke 60 executive person staff at the head of the Department of Homeland Security, they've force injected that cancer all the way down into, the hiring and human and uh, human resources into the organization. So if someone's left in those organizations, that's truly a patriot that understands truth and knows what's going on. They're a master of keeping their head down at this point and somehow surviving because they're not going to thrive in those organizations right now. And I hate to say it because I know that there's so many people that I talk to from FBI, CIA, Homeland Security and other places that are just, distraught by what has happened to organizations that they were part of, that they were proud of being able to say that they were part of. And now they can't because they're looking at them saying they're weak. They've lost their oath. They've lost their focus. Same thing happened with the military. I hate looking at that in the military and being able to say, hey, why are we talking about war with Iran? And, and then we're talking about being ready for the Pacific. And you know, we're going to work on building readiness in NATO. And it's like, you know, any one of those is difficult on our good on a good day. Right now, any one of those could be devastating, and I hate to say it. There are still a lot of good people left. I know it inside of all of these organizations, but uh, I'm I'm can I'm, I think we could say we should be rightly concerned while remaining hopeful that uh, even in the worst of times, that this nation can still stand up and do what's right if called if called upon. And we'll see. Well, I, I think it's it's uh, obvious and ludicrous that we're having exercises uh, over in NATO and we're sending our troops overseas and then our borders are wide open and military age fighting men from all kinds of countries are infiltrating. You know, and, uh, you know, people ask me uh, uh, about sleeper cells. I'm like, I'm not sure that there isn't a country that doesn't have a sleeper cell uh, brought in by the FBI at this point. Uh, uh, in the United States. Uh, I, I think uh, all of that unrestricted warfare, all that espionage uh, warfare is happening while the military industrial complex and the pharmacological uh, complex just run wild. Uh, uh, but um, I guess as we wrap up here, uh, I'd like to go back into 
getting your expertise uh, on Yemen, on Jordan, uh, in that area, AQAP, uh, and how you see uh, that uh, playing out in the next year to five years with U.S. involvement? Because it just seems like we're being uh, inexorably uh, drawn in or purposefully going in even further on all of this. Yeah, I think the key word you used there was purposefully. And to me, the purposefully is we're going to fail on purpose. We're going to start a war on purpose. Uh, And you can continue on down that list. So uh, I guess the way I was able to describe it actually yesterday on Fox was that there's a lot of people trying to push us to go to war with Iran. And I say we're not ready to go to war with Iran, nor do we need to. If you're going to do something with Iran, you start by putting the sanctions on them again. You start crushing their banks and their income. And, oh, by the way, if you're really smart, you increase our energy production again to to make it drop the price of oil so Iran isn't making all that money. We don't need to be bombing Iran right now. Uh, We can start with that. If we have to bomb Iran in the future for some reason, that decision, of course, is with the people in Congress, not the president. That's constitutional. It's the only way that it's legal at all, because you and I and everybody around us gets to make the risk decision on whether we think a war is worth it. However, we can take chess pieces off the board. That means airfields where drones are used, drone manufacturing facilities or storage facilities, uh, any of those kinds of things, ammunition depots, uh, and anything that's logistically supporting these actions, Houthi rebels in Yemen. Um, maybe even in Jordan or Syria or other places. Now we're talking, we know about bombing facilities in foreign nations that are sovereign nations, but they've chosen to let these actors operate within their borders and they are coming after us. And we need to come up with the right of, to make sure that the right of self-defense is inherent in all things and acted upon. Bigger picture than that to finish up with these guys know they're just lily pads sitting out in the middle of nowhere. They have very few options to them. And I'm talking to these people throughout the Middle East as well. And they're giving me the truth of what's going on. So if we don't give the, a strategy to what's going on with our forces in the Middle East, then remove them. We're going to risk the message that America ran. Sure. But if we don't have a strategy and a purpose and if we don't right, rightfully defend ourselves where our people are, we should not be risking America's children in the military for no reason or for no strategy. Well, so, well, so, so I go back to the Keegan Camarena days. That's why I, how I became a whistleblower trying to extradite Miguel Cato Quintero, brother of Rafael, who tortured and murdered our agent. Um, but the border shut down uh, when they kidnapped and tortured Kiki as a message. Now you can kill Americans anywhere. You can sodomize and kill uh, Christopher Stevens. Uh, You can kill, um, uh, you can let uh, troops defending to the death uh, Afghanistan when they had identified the sniper. I think that's already clearly happened. The strategy is uh, to uh, just bleed us dry by deploying troops. And I think uh, Pito Joe and Joe's Pitos are in on it. I think that uh, October 7th was intentional. Uh, and that is really the main purpose that besides to prop up Netanyahu's feel, failing government, 
and bring about the, um, the rabbinical Messiah over there because they need a one world government for the one world Messiah, which dovetails nicely uh, with, versus, with the Zionist, is to uh, bring about American Christian Zionists to blindly follow uh, this state of Israel because the race war that was trying to mimic the South African race war, I think, failed in America. I think it's failed when the um, uh, Black Lives Matter guy uh, agreed on following Jesus with the J6 uh, prisoner. So I think they turned on a religious war. I think a lot of this is to divide and conquer uh, the United States. And I just wanted to make sure you heard my point of view because I don't want to not say something to your face. I'm not sure we're we're in agreement on that, but um, but that's okay. But that that's my feeling on that. Well, it's. I mean, let's just say that I'm in a position of saying that uh, anything's possible. <laughs> and simply watching what happened on October 7th, my first impression was that's that's impossible. Somebody knew, you know, just like 9/11 here in America, somebody knew, and somebody did. It doesn't mean anybody did anything about it. But we always need to be prepared to look at something at face value and say, okay, we understand where we're at now, but we shouldn't be shocked in the future when something comes back and completely changes what you have to assess something being or what's true and what's not true about it. Um, We watched Israel be just as brutal when it came to enforcing vaccine mandates across their nation. So uh, just because Israel is a lifelong ally of America and should remain so, definitely doesn't mean that uh, we need to agree with all their actions, nor should they agree with all of our actions. It's kind of like two brothers. You know, they're always going to fight amongst themselves until someone steps in between them. And of course, the greater threat at this point is Hamas, which is easy. But, you know, add into that, who's funding them? Well, unfortunately, us, you know, through the United Nations. And so we can't be complaining about Israel having these enemies when we helped create these enemies in the first place and we're helping fund these enemies. So, you know, we got to be careful about cleaning up our own house first before we start running around the world again, talking about corruption everywhere when we are one of the most corrupt in the, in the world right now. Very true. And, and you all know Harari uh, out of there, the prophet, as they say. But, well, uh, thank you so much for coming on. I know you're a really busy guy and uh, really salute all the great patriotic work uh, that you are doing. And I'm glad uh, that Team America is able to uh, work with Restore Liberty. Um, so you can follow uh, Darren at his Substack. You can also go to Restore Liberty. And where else can they follow you? Uh, those are probably the primary two. Everything else uh, can be found off of those two sites. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Thanks, Jeff. What an honor to join you. And, uh, and I look forward to maybe coming back in the future someday. And thanks to all those who take the time to listen to your podcast. Well, yeah, I'd love to have you back. Take All care. Right. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Okay, so uh, there's uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel uh, Darren Gobb, statesman, uh, godly man, co-founder of Restore Liberty. Uh, Team America uh, works with them. Uh, and uh, I think a real great and important conversation on uh, all of those uh, details. Um, and again, uh, friends and support, uh, Pete Chamber, not really – uh, I think he agreed with me in particular on the convoy uh, aspect, maybe not so much on other things, but that's uh, okay. As long as we're, we are essentially aligned on the strategy uh, of a base level moving forward. 
and also we don't want to duplicate each other's efforts. We want to complement uh, each other's efforts. So I think that's uh, real important. Uh, so uh, fear not, God bless, keep the faith and hold fast. I think we are uh, winning through the resistance uh, movement. And uh, somebody asked me, um, what was it? Oh, somebody asked me on Patreon the other day about uh, Schofield Bible. And, uh, you know, I did lots of shows on that and I gave a couple more resources. Uh, so I don't spend it, duplicate a lot of uh, stuff. You know, I move on uh, afterwards, but it's all there. You can go back and look at the other uh, old shows. Uh, and so tomorrow um, is the uh, telethon. If you can tune in and donate, uh, if you can't donate, uh, say prayers. Uh, and then after that, we'll get back to um, promoting June 7th. Today, of course, we promoted um, Stay Brewed Coffee. Uh, they make the new Prather special coffee now as well, but the Team America coffee is uh, discounted there uh, uh, at staybrewed.com uh, at uh, 20%. And then there's even the new Prather private label coffee, uh, which I've got around here someplace uh, that is just new up on the website there. Oh, there it is. Uh, really good coffee, whole bean, uh, really nice. Uh, you can try in jeffreypray.com in the store as well. So fear not, God bless, keep the faith and hold fast. Uh, I think we are winning. This is what winning looks like. Doesn't mean millions of people aren't going to die. They have died, more will die. Uh, but uh, scripturally and historically, we will win. Tyrants always fall. Tyranny always fails. Graphene is not in our DNA, but freedom is, but freedom is never given. It is earned, won, fought for, and taken. So take it.